You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Yeah. Um, if you're new with us, my name is Marco. I am the lead pastor here. Welcome to Radiant Church. Thank you for worshiping with us. I know the weather's not great, but it is pretty good in here, and so we're so glad to have you here. I hope you had an awesome holiday season. I hope you got to spend time with your friends, with your family. You ate way too many carbs, probably, and you're ready uh, just to begin the new year. It is the new year, and you know what that means, you guys? It means that the gyms are going to be packed Ugh. for about a week, though, just about a week, and then they'll go right back to normal, so everything will be okay for me. I, I will appreciate that, but you guys, um, we're so excited to kick off the new year with all of you. As Victoria said, Seek begins next week, 21 days of this praying and fasting season. We set aside uh, the beginning of our year. We consecrate ourselves. We offer it up to the Lord. It's an offering. Our lives are an offering. We give God the first of our days, the first of the year, the first tenth of our income. We always give God the first and the best. We don't give God scraps or leftovers. Okay, we give him the first and the best of all of who we are. This is what the church does. This is what we're called to do. And so I want to just kind of challenge you, um, pick a Bible reading plan, think about a fast. What kind of fast will you do? Just like maybe just one meal a day or just for one day. It doesn't matter. You could do intermittent fasting. I've done a lot of that in the last six to eight months. You can just research it on YouTube. There's lots of information out there on intermittent fasting. But fast uh, certain foods, I'm not just talking about fasting social media, but fast food. When the scripture speaks about fasting, it doesn't talk about social media. The scripture specifically is talking about food. So I want you to think about what you will fast and, again, uh, set, aside, set aside time for the Lord each and every day as we kick off this new year. It's going to be great. Um, one quick praise report for you before we go on. I know that Christmas Eve, the, the weather wasn't the best. You know, the, the roads were not the best. It was really cold outside. But even in that, check this out, church. Over three services, we had almost 600 people here. Isn't that, <laughs> is that crazy? Is that crazy? That's nuts. 585 or 583 or something like that people were here and so many new faces. It was incredible. Can you imagine if like it was a perfect day out? Like how many people would have been here? Just bonkers, right? What is the Lord up to you? Man, he's up to good, good things. Amen, church? Amen, amen. All right. Well, listen, today I don't have a message for you per se, but I, I kind of do, but I kind of don't. What we're going to do is we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to open up our Bibles there. It's a New Testament letter. Paul, the apostle, wrote it to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was a, um, a key city in Greece, okay? Now, Corinth was, was this very metropolitan area. Um, so because of that, the city of Corinth was, was full of different religions and different cultures. They all sort of mingled in Corinth. It was this really plethora of, of, of different belief systems that all kind of met together in the city of uh, Corinth. And if you've ever read the letter of First and Second Corinthians, 
you know that this church in Corinth was very, very dysfunctional, right? They had a lot of major issues and problems. Why is that? I'll tell you why right now. This is why it was so dysfunctional. Because the city of Corinth exerted a profound amount of influence in the church. And here's what happens when the culture influences the church this way. The people of God start to live like the world more than they live like Jesus. Oh, snap. And when the people of God begin to live and look like the world more than Jesus, here's what happens. I'll tell you what happens. It brings a blemish onto the gospel of Jesus Christ. People say, your faith is fake. Well, how do you know? I go to church and I read my Bible. Yeah, but your life is still jacked up and you're still doing what you've always been doing. And you're like, well, that's a good point. Okay, all right. right, right. So when the church lives more like the world rather than more like Christ, it puts a tarnish on the witness of the gospel. You can be a stumbling block to others who don't know Jesus because of the way you live your life. I don't know if you knew this, but it's true. It's true, right? This is what's happening in the church in Corinth. And this church, listen, is, it's a pagan city, and it's known for its commerce, its entertainment, its pleasure-seeking, ooh-la-la, pleasure-seeking, if you know what I mean. It's like Vegas on roids, okay? Think Vegas on roids. And this is the church, this is the city in which this church was uh, planted. And throughout the letter, listen, Paul has to address some very serious issues. There are issues of division in the church. There are issues of immorality, people sleeping around and, and just living like, you know, living like a fool, um, all kinds of sexual sin happening. Um, and then there's what we would just describe as social snobbery, social snobbery. We'll get into that in just a few more moments here. So in chapter 11, what Paul does is he's addressing the issues with the Lord's Supper, with communion. Paul's saying, you guys are doing it all wrong, essentially. So the words that we're going to read are very, very corrective, and they're very strong, okay? They're meant to offend, so they will offend you, just so you know. And that's a good thing, because we could all be offended by the Word of God, amen, right? We need that. We need the Word of God to challenge our worldviews, amen, church? Okay, the Word of God sits above us. We don't sit above the Word of God and judge it. The Word of God sits above us and judges us, okay? So the Word is our final authority. But listen, what I want to do with you guys today is I want to read these verses um, together, and then we're going to apply them to our hearts, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Uh, we're going to have a time of reflection and prayer. I'm going to ask you some very pointed questions. They're going to be behind me. And we're actually going to reflect together. We're actually going to have times where you're just going to be with you and the Lord. And you're going to pray. And you're going to reflect. And you're going to do business with God. Then we'll take communion together. After that, we'll pray. And then we'll, we'll worship some more together. Does that sound like a plan to you guys? Awesome. Awesome. OK. So we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 11. And we're going to start in verse 17. Before I do that, I want to pray with you. And then we will dive into this letter. All right, let's pray together, church. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for a new year. 2023, God, we are excited. We know that 2023 will have great victories, God, amazing mountaintop experiences. And we also acknowledge, Lord, we also acknowledge that 2023 will have great defeats for us, 
great valleys. I know some people don't like to, 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 to admit that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. We will walk through great valleys. And through every season, mountaintops and valleys, we simply say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're not in it for cotton candy and for sweets. We're in it to walk with you no matter what comes our way, God. We're not in it for a good time when it just feels good. We're in it, Lord, when hell comes knocking on our door and when we're challenged and we know, Lord, it's in the valleys. That's the place that builds us. That's the place where we're made to conform in your image. It's not when everything is great, when everything is nice and easy and comfortable. Lord, so no matter what season we face, God, we just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord gives, the Lord takes away. So Father, we bless your name today. Uh, we thank you for the mountaintops that we will experience. We also thank you for the valleys that we'll experience as well, Lord. Um, Lord, would you open our eyes this morning to see the beauty of who you are in your word, God? Um, would you kind of just, Lord, so many of us, we look at the Bible and it's like, it's, we're, just, it's, we're so flippant about it, Lord. Remind us it is your sacred word. It is you speaking to us. It is a profound book because no other book claims to have the very words of God, only the scripture. And so, God, um, we recognize that you are speaking to us in this moment, Lord. Um, would you unlock deaf ears and would you soften hardened hearts? Because, again, Lord, hearts get hardened because life gets tough. And so, soften hearts today, Lord. Heal men and women, heal diseases, Lord. Sickness among us, pain, Lord, joints. Um, Lord, I pray that you heal marriages today as well, God, that you cause men to repent of their sin and women to repent of their sin and to turn back to each other in holy matrimony, God. I know marriage is really hard at times, but God, would you do miracles um, today and heal marriages? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, so verse number 17, here we go. Paul comes out the gate swinging. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. Thank you, Paul, right? No praise for you, he says. For your meetings do more harm than good. Ouch. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, an ecclesia, a community, a gathering, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it, he says. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. That's a, that's a fascinating verse, isn't it? He says, there has to be divisions among you to show which of you have God's approval. What's Paul saying there? Paul's saying this, that there must be divisions within the body of Christ at times. Why? So it can prove who are the real Christians and who are just the ones who say they're Christians, but they're not. So when divisions come, the heat, the flames, the rise up, right? The cream rises to the top and all the fluff just drowns out. This is what Paul's talking about. That when division comes into the local church and when there's a spat or a dispute and you throw a hissy fit or whatever it is, right, we, we can all have disagreements. Paul's saying this needs to happen. Some people need to get offended so we can find out who's all in and who just says they're all in, but they're not really in at all. He says this, so when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. 
Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. <laughs> okay. All right. So let me give you some context because some of these verses may be a bit shocking to some of you if you're new to uh, the New Testament, if you're new, or if you just listen to preachers who give you fluffy, the fluffy verses in the Bible, um, all the, the verses about blessing you, you skip over these ones. Um, let me give you some context here in the first century church, the early church. The book of Acts tells us that the early church they would come together and they would share in these large meals. And these large meals were known as love feasts or agape meals, okay? Love feasts, agape meals. So the church would gather together and an average church was about 30 in the first century, about 30 people, give or take, right? Maybe 10, 15, whatever. But about 30 people, they would gather together, and what they would do is they would, they would follow in the tradition of the Last Supper. You guys remember the Last Supper? If you don't, you can go back in the Gospels and read the Last Supper. The Last Supper was when Jesus gathered the disciples to him, and he, they celebrate the Passover meal. You remember this? And in the Passover meal, or in the Last Supper, Jesus predicts um, his betrayal, and he also predicts Peter's denial. So in that sort of spirit, the early church would come together, and they would have this large meal. Think banquet style, right? Banquet style. And then at the end of their meal, or somewhere maybe in the middle of the meal, I'm not sure, they would actually partake in the Eucharist. That Greek word, eucharisteo, means to give thanks. That's where we give the, that's where we get the idea of giving thanks. And so they would partake in the Lord's Supper or in Holy Communion. Now, here's the thing, though, about Corinth. This is the problem that Paul has with the church in Corinth. They were divided economically, and so here's what would happen. The wealthier members, they were abusing their position and status by preventing fellowship with the poor members of the church. So there was a division, sort of rich guys on one side and, and poor people on the other side. And as a result of this, okay, some are not being allowed to eat. They're not eating anything. And others are eating in excess, and they're, they're actually getting drunk, okay? So they've got the wine, and they're getting drunk. And so you've got division, rich people, poor people. You have some people eating. You have some people eating nothing, you have some people getting drunk. You have some people drinking nothing. So this is not a picture of the church is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, this is not the way behavior should be. This sort of behavior was normal, though. It was normal. Listen, just like it's normal today. Some of y'all, okay, maybe last night, you're like, hey, what you doing, girlfriend? 2023 is coming in. You want to come over? I got some drinky drinks, right? And then last night, you were like, chicka, 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 right? And you had some shots, but you made it. You threw your sweatpants on this morning, and you were here this morning, right? Listen, this is normal. God bless you, though. I praise God for you being here. Hey, this is normal for the culture around us, right? Hey, what, you, what are you doing on Friday night? Let's have dinner. Come on over. But, hey, I got the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? We got, we got about five bottles of wine ready to crack open. And we're going to drink, and we're going to be merry, and we're going to get lit, okay? And so that is custom of our culture today. It was custom for the culture in 
Corinth. It's not very different if you think about it, you guys. The culture has infiltrated the church, and this is why we have problems in the church, because the, the culture, the, the norm of the world has seeped into the church, okay? That causes a lot of chaos for your pastor. God, help, pray for me for the heaven's sake, okay? And so people live like the world. I'm like, stop doing that. They're like, I want to, but no, stop. Okay, let's just stop right there. Uh, so here's, I, I got like an energy kick all of a sudden. I don't know. I'm feeling really good, you guys. So the church is hanging out, eating a big meal, and then they're getting down on the wine, okay? And they're getting drunk, and there's division. And Paul's saying, listen, this is normal for the world, but this is not what the body of Christ is called to. Yes, enjoy a meal together, of course. Yes, you may partake in wine, and that's okay. But the drunkenness, the division, this is not in step, not acceptable in the body of Christ. So the abuse of the Lord's Supper was causing the Corinthians to lose sight of the church's purpose, which, was, which is to foster unity by fellowship and by identifying with Jesus and his sacrifice. So on Sunday mornings when we gather, what are we doing? We're fostering unity. This is why you can't foster unity at home. Now, God bless our online audience. I appreciate our online viewers, and God bless them. But it's not very... You can't foster unity with the body. The faith was not meant to be this individualistic thing. It was meant to be lived out in community. Commun We're so individualistic here in America. It's me, myself, and Jesus. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus is going to have a call, talk. Me and Jesus. It's always me and Jesus, right? But you, not, you, don't just, you need the community and the body of Christ to surround you as well, to push you, sometimes to get on your nerves so you can stop living like the world, to say, hey, come on, don't get lit on New Year's Eve. Stay sober so you can join us at church and not wear sweatpants for crying out loud, right? We want you to be sober, so we need the, the body of Christ around us to challenge us, to offend us at times, to spur us on to good deeds, to encourage us. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, Listen, here's, here's the center of it. Let me wrap it up like this. The, 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 the emphasis here is self-centeredness. Does that make sense? It's self-centeredness. Paul's saying you are not concerning yourself with the other people who don't have anything to eat. And that's just, you're just being selfish. You're being extremely self, selfish and just you're, you're bent in on yourself. Now, I, I, I want to be respectful because we all have legitimate issues and we have things that we're walking through. And I don't want to dismiss those in any ways. So hear my heart, church. We have to just be careful that church doesn't become all about us, like me and Jesus. What's Jesus going to say to me? Well, what about your brothers and sisters in Christ? What about them? What do they need? What do they need to hear? How are they suffering? How is life working out for them? Have you ever even thought about that? Do you even care? That's what Paul is actually addressing in this context here. So then he goes to verse 23, right? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, uh, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what is Paul doing right here now with these verses? Paul is actually giving instruction on how to properly participate in the Lord's Supper by looking back to what Jesus did in the last supper. He's recognizing that it is an ordinance to be celebrated on a regular basis. Let's keep reading. Verse number 27. So when, or so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, listen, here's what Paul says, will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink this cup. We don't, we don't read these verses, do we? But we, we should, and we should keep these in mind. Everyone ought to examine themselves, right? So don't examine your neighbor or your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, yourself. Examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. And then notice 29, you guys. This is in your Bible. This is wild. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, what is he talking about? Discerning, being concerned with other members in the body of Christ. That's what he says. All right? Those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is the New Testament. This is not the Old Testament. That is why many among you, for this reason, in other words, this is why, Paul says, this is why many among you are weak, sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Paul doesn't mean you snoozed in church. He means that you're dead. This is the reason why, Paul says, some of the Corinthians are sick, some of the Corinthians are weak, and some of the Corinthians have died. Whoa. Whoa. That should cause you to say, whoa, right? Whoa, are you serious? I'm dead serious. It says it right here. You can open up your own Bible and read it. Well, that was just for then. No, 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 no. I, I, I think the Lord is speaking to us right here and right now, okay? This is the New Testament. I want to remind you, this is post-cross, after the cross. Paul is saying these things. But if we, verse 31, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, he says, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Amen, church? The scripture says that. He disciplines those that he loves. That's what the, the, word, the word of God tells us this. We got to be careful that we're not painting a picture of God that looks more like Santa Claus, okay? He's holy. He's sovereign. He's good. He's majestic. People say, oh, God wouldn't do that. Well, you're, you're worshiping a different God then. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. Okay? We don't want to drink judgment upon ourselves. Okay? So Paul basically says here, he's making it clear. Do not treat the Lord's Supper flippantly. Don't, don't treat it, don't even treat it like a ritual, just a religious thing. Don't treat it like, oh, I grew up Catholic and this is what I gotta do. No, 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 no. I want you to observe the Lord's Supper and examine your own hearts, remembering, being reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus hung on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. 
that Jesus lived a sinless life because you couldn't, that Jesus obeyed God perfectly because you and I cannot do that, that Jesus gave his life so that we wouldn't have to. Mark 10, 45 says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that we do not drink judgment upon ourselves. Right? Paul says this is the reason some of you are sick. This is the reason some of you are weak. This is the reason why some of you have, have passed away. Drinking judgment upon yourself. These are sobering words, and they're meant to be that way. I will not soft pedal these words. These were meant to be piercing to the hearts. Too many, too many messages, too many gospel preachers who only address the fluffy verses, the ones about bless me and prosper and claim this and claim that. I want to give you the whole counsel of God, right? It's like the vegetables. It's like the, it's like the, the stuff you don't always want to hear or eat, but it's good for you. It's good for you. It produces humility, spirituality, repentance is what Paul talks about it, right? Repentance, a turning away from sin. So here's what I want to do. We're going to reflect on these verses, and I'm going to give you some, some specific questions. You're going to do a, a little bit of reflection with you and the Lord, and then I'll pray. After each question, I'll pray. We'll spend about two minutes in each question, okay? About two minutes in each question. So right now, close your Bibles. You can leave your notebooks open because the Lord might speak to you. Some of you who take notes, okay? Let's, let's begin this process of allowing the Holy Spirit to examine us. Number one, is there any sin you need to confess to the Lord? If so, do so right now and repent. Repentance means to turn away. Is there any sin you need to confess to the Lord? If so, do so right now and repent. Don't think about what your spouse needs to hear. Don't think about what your mother-in-law, she should be repenting of. This is the time for you yourself. Is there a, there a sin you need to repent of? Confess. Do so right now. Let's take a few moments. Father, your word says to search us and know us. So would you search our hearts, God, right now? And if there is any way, any offensive way in us, Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. Father, I thank you that when you reveal our sin, you don't use a hammer. Rather, God, you reveal our sin so that we can be healed, so that we can turn from it and turn to righteousness. So, Lord, whatever it is that we're holding on to, Father, we give it to you right now. It could be an addiction we've held on to for far too long. 2022 was marked by alcoholism, drug use, pornography. Lord, we submit that surrender. We acknowledge that we need help. We're broken. We can't do it on our own. 
Some of it, God, has been sexual sin. We've tried to pretend like it didn't matter, and yet it matters to you. So we turn away from that, God. We thank you for your grace that covers our sin, that allows us to walk in holiness and follow you. Father, we turn away from our anger, the way that we've treated our children at times, our lack of patience with our spouse. Father, would you forgive us? Lord, would you forgive us for the ways that we have not led the family spiritually if we're men here today? We've been lazy and we've been passive. Lord, it's the sin of Adam. Forgive us of passivity. Forgive us of the, la the laziness that we display often at our homes. We're more prone to do things for other people than our own families. Father, forgive the men for being lazy and for being passive today. Lord, forgive women, perhaps, who have tried to control the marriage and control every aspect of their lives, Lord. Lord, we surrender and we open our hands to you that we cannot control life. We cannot control every situation. We submit it to you, God. We thank you for grace that covers that. We thank you for your peace that surpasses understanding. God, we turn away from our sins. Examine our hearts, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that before you we are naked. We have nothing. Come search us, know us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Spirit of the living God. Search our hearts this morning. God, we don't want to begin 2023 in the same way we ended 2022, God. Search our hearts, Spirit of the living God. Number two, have you, how have you made church all about you? Ask God for ways in which you can be a blessing to the body of Christ through service and encouragement. How have you made church all about you? This is not diminishing your needs. This is not diminishing what you're walking through. But some, sometimes we become so self-centered that we forget about the needs of others in the body of Christ. Let's take a few moments to reflect. Come Holy Spirit and search our hearts again and show us the ways in which we've been selfish, God. Lord, we have read about Paul saying that the Corinthians were not discerning the body of Christ, and we don't want to be the same. Help us to remember the needs of others around us, God. Remind us, God, that other people need our hugs, others need our smiles, others need our words of encouragement, others need maybe money, others need a helping hand. Father, and as we minister to others, you do something so miraculous on the inside of each of us. We recognize that so often when we serve others, you minister to us. You minister to us, Lord. And so, God, we turn away from just looking at our own needs, even though they may be great, God, and they're real, 
Father, lift our heads up to see who else in the body of Christ needs us today. Come, Holy Spirit. We, we're sorry for being selfish, God, for living individualistic lives of faith, God. We don't want to look like the world. We want to look like Jesus. Spirit of the living God, come and change our hearts today in repentance and in tears and in brokenness we come to you, God. Finally, number three, are there divisions among you and others in the body of Christ? And if so, make an attempt to reconcile the relationship this week. If so, if there's division among you and another brother or sister, make an attempt to reconcile. It doesn't mean that the relationship will go back to the original way. It may not be. It may not ever go back to that, and that's okay. It may be healthier that it doesn't go back to that. And yet, listen, you've done your part. You've done your part. Let's invite the Holy Spirit now to search our hearts. Come, Spirit of the living God. I'm reminded of Jesus that's, who says, and when we approach the altar and we're reminded of an offense that our brother has, that we leave, leave the altar and then go to our brother to be reconciled. Father, may we do the same this week, Lord. If there's divisions among us, Lord, you have not caused us to be fractured, but you've called us to be one body. So, Lord, we swallow our pride, we put away the need to be right, and we simply come with an open heart to reconcile. Father, would you, by the power of your spirit, usher in a spirit of unity in this body, a spirit of such unity in this body, Father, that we're not so easily offended with others, God. But that we would be united under the banner of Jesus Christ. We're called to be one body, not fractured in several bodies, Lord. You want to make this body strong, united, and whole. Come and reconcile relationships within marriages this week, God. Children and fathers, mothers and their children, Teenagers who are lost and gone wayward, come and reconcile relationships in the home. Oh, Spirit of God, would you heal families this week? Oh, we cry out, Abba, Father, come and heal. Come and heal our families. Brokenness, divorce, alcoholism, drug addiction, Lord, passivity, Oh, come and heal our land. Come and heal relationships, God. God, we humble ourselves and we offer up our own lives, God. Come, Spirit of the living God.